0: I looked, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation you have made them to be a kingdom of priests for our god and they will reign on the earth then i looked and heard the voice of millions of angels they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever.
1: There's always been a lot of confusion about who Jesus is. It's a question that has been asked since Jesus came to earth. It is a question that every generation asks. In fact, it's pretty much a question that at some point almost every human being who hears about Jesus asks. It's not new. It's not confined to this modern world or this modern generation. In fact, perhaps being online like we are has created more questions around who Jesus is than answers. And the truth is it's not only people who haven't met Jesus that ask this question. It's not just people that aren't in a church community In fact, often as followers of Jesus, we end up asking that same question. Who is Jesus? Who is this? And if that's the truth, this who is this idea, you're in good company. In fact, even those who spent three years with Jesus, even people who listened to him and watched his miracles and lived with him, ended up asking that same question not just before he died and rose again but even after he had died and risen again Mary Magdalene that wonderful woman that that woman who, who loved and supported Jesus whom Jesus had healed from demon possession and who who was one of jesus 's not apostles but disciples in fact the first person to to want to serve Jesus in his death goes to the tomb and sees him and thinks that he's the gardener. Even she's confused. What about those two disciples that were walking from the village of Emmaus to Jerusalem, and this third traveler joined them, and they're talking about all the stuff that's happened in Jerusalem, and they can't understand how this person that's with them can tell them so much stuff and is so insightful, and then they realize afterwards it was Jesus. And so, this idea of who Jesus is is incredibly important, and one of the amazing gifts that, that Easter. And in fact, that the scripture that we listened to earlier gives is the gift of clarity. Clarity is something really, really important. We pursue clarity. Um, I'll give you an example. You can make terrible mistakes if you're not clear on things. Earlier on, Richard suggested that the person he's married to might sacrifice him if he forgot a birthday or an anniversary. I just want to be clear, I know Cindy well. She would never do that to him, come on. And so now we know, now you're not afraid of Cindy anymore because of what you've just heard. I've spent my whole life pursuing clarity around physics, it's never happened, still confused. One of the things we do to achieve clarity is to look at details. And we've all had that wonderful moment when we we make a discovery, when we've wondered about something and then all of a sudden we go, that's how it works. Here's the problem with trying to gain clarity about God in looking in the details. Look, we should. We should look at the details of who God is. But the problem is that there is no end to the detail of God. God is infinite. And so to to try and achieve clarity with God and who God is and who Jesus is by by examining every minute detail, we will never achieve clarity. Sometimes we just have to step back and look at the big picture and go, now I understand. And this passage of Scripture is one of those pictures. It's, It's a picture painted for us by John the Apostle who, who, who knew Jesus so intimately and he's looking to, to the end of all time and, and he, he wants us to have a picture of who Jesus is. It's desperately important to him. Later on, Jacques will tell us why it's so desperately important. But I'm here this morning to help you discover with clarity who Jesus is. Who is Jesus. Well, we could be here all day if we ask the question, who is Jesus? But I don't want us to be here all day. I just want to pick out a few fundamentally important things about who Jesus is from this passage. First thing that we see is that Jesus is a sacrificed lamb. Jesus is a sacrificed lamb. He is the one who gave himself for us? He is the one who was willing to die. He was the one who was willing to pay the price that was necessary for the forgiveness of the forgiveness of sins of the whole world. The second beautiful piece of clarity that this passage gives us is this, is that he is the center of everything. If you go back and read the passage you cast your mind back, you will see there's a picture of a throne, and in the center of the throne is Jesus. He is the center, not just of what's happening in heaven in this picture, but the center of everything the center of all creation, the center of the universe, the center of all life, both visible and invisible. And he's the center of you and of me. He is the place our hearts need to go to at their very core. We also see that Jesus is the one who is to be worshiped. Let's not pretend that there's not a lot of idolatry in the world. And all of us do it, don't we? The things that we we say, if I can't have that, I can't be happy. If I'm not like that, that is the most important thing. I will sacrifice other things so I can get that. And this passage makes it so clear that there's only one who's worthy of worship. Whether it be by us human beings, whether it be by heavenly creatures, whether it be by every nation in the world, there's only one who's worthy of worship, and that is Jesus. Here's another thing that this passage tells us that I just love so much. He is the purchaser of people. People struggle with self-worth. If you were like me this morning when you got up, you You decided what to wear, and and part of that was probably had to do with, what are other people going to think of me when I put this thing on? And all of us struggle. And, And you need to know with absolute clarity that you are worth Jesus dying for. This passage tells us that Jesus did what he did, so that he could purchase you and me for God. You are worth everything. Second last thing that I want to point out from this passage is that Jesus is the maker of priests. In other words, you and I have been given a gift by God to go and share this amazing reality with other people. You don't have to have a specialist, some person who wears a purple mask on Easter or or wears a robe or has a theological qualification because Jesus makes every single one of us a priest, a sharer of the good news, a taker of who God is out into the world to share him with others. I want you to go away today knowing with absolute clarity that Jesus is the sacrificed lamb. He is the center of everything. He is the one who we should worship. He is the purchaser of people, and he is the maker of priests. But more than any of that, this passage says this, that Jesus is worthy. He is worthy. And I want us to pause because in a moment we are going to sing a song that I have been waiting since Friday when I heard it for the first time to sing again. And it's a song that tells us about the worthiness of who Jesus is that there is nothing that we have or can be that isn't there because of who He is and what He has done and the fact that He died and rose again and conquered death. And so I invite you this morning, together with us to celebrate the one who is worthy. He is
2: worthy, let's pray. Father, we adore You and we love You and we praise You for Easter Sunday morning. You are risen and you are worthy and we love you and we adore you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello everybody and a happy Easter. So good to see everybody here and those of you watching from home, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, my father-in-law recommended uh, a Netflix show for me. Now you know that your father-in-law and you are tight when that starts happening. So it's this, it's, this, um, it's this guy who does a bunch of social experiments and, and one of the experiments he does is we, we've all played that, or done that thing where you, you, you guess how many beans are in the jar, right? So he does this thing and he puts exactly 4,510 beans in this jar and he goes to a couple of hundred people and he says, well, guess. And uh, so, so, so the, the guesses varied like, like massively. So the, the smallest guess someone thought was like 40 or something, <laughs> there was definitely more than 40. The highest someone guessed was like 5,000 beans. So what this guy then did was he he took the collection of guesses and he worked out an average. Okay, So the average that the the, the couple of hundred people guessed was 4,515. Only five beans out. And the whole point was how much power there is in the collective wisdom of the group. Powerful stuff. And uh, when you read this passage, there's a bunch of things there that doesn't make sense for me, a bunch of beautiful symbolism, and when you start studying this passage, it feels like that. It feels like everybody's sort of saying something, and you see different meanings throughout. Everybody's giving their thoughts. And uh, I think there's a lot of power, even in that, the collective wisdom of the group of call them theologians out there, even though they're all so different. But I wanna share some of those ideas with you. So so the question is, what exactly is the scroll? There's a lot of excitement, apparently, about the scroll. I mean, John was weeping at some stage, not not John the preacher, the guy in the vision, when he wrote the letter, was weeping at some stage, and and the angels were worshiping, and and there was a lot of excitement. What is the deal with the scroll? It's interesting to me that they don't give us much information so what, then we needed, what we then need to do is assume that the original recipient of the letter had some context, right? So when, when, when they hear the word scroll, they immediately had some sort of understanding as to what the scroll could be. We don't. And this is some of the thoughts that came through in the collective, okay? So at the end of um, the seventh scroll seal being broken and seal being opened in, in Revelation 11 verse 15, it says this. It says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So what we see in this passage is that it looks like the scroll could here be a title deed or a deed of ownership to property. By this verse, we see that God is saying, I own and will reign and rule over the whole universe. I love that. Another one is that this scroll potentially could have been a judgment lien that would have been issued in the form of a scroll when the debtor, which is you and me, is unable to satisfy our debt, which is caused by our sin. So we are the debtor, and our debt can't be satisfied because of our sin. And then this document is authorized that the debtor's assets, in this case would be our souls, be forfeit in judgment. And I think I think this could be why John was weeping. The condition of mankind is that we're sinful, that we forfeited our souls, and he's weeping. And the question is, who then is worthy to open this seal? And I love that John clarified so beautifully who Jesus is. And the first thing he mentioned who Jesus is, that Jesus is the lamb, right? And I want to read that for you real quick. It's in Revelation 5, verse 5 and verse 6. It says this, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb. Remember, John just spoke about the lamb. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the world. So we see Jesus being described as two pictures, a lamb and a lion. So which one is he? Jesus is both the lamb and the lion. The lion stands for Christ resurrected and the lamb for Christ's sacrifice. He endured death as a lamb, and then he devoured it like a lion. When Scripture describes Christ as a lamb, what it is saying is that every single one of us are flawed, and a sacrifice needs to be made, and that sacrifice actually should be us. We should be the one taking the punishment for our sins. The beauty of this picture is that Jesus becomes that sacrifice in our place, and he gets slaughtered on my behalf and on your behalf, as a sinner even though he had not sinned. There needed to be a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. And the blood of Jesus, then scripture says, washes us white as snow. That moment, in that moment, Jesus removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. Jesus is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. But Christ is also the lion the lion that is resurrected. Jesus in his resurrection became the lion of Judah who conquered death. Which means even in this season that we are in, in the midst of a pandemic, we no longer have to fear death because we too have received victory over death because of Christ the resurrected lion of Judah. We can have peace even now. That we will live even though we die. And the same power the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me. And we see in this lion this beautiful picture of victory. And I believe God wants to give us victory today as well. I believe all of us have areas in our lives where we need some victory. I think all of us can do with some victory in the season we're in. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. So here's the question, actually, who is he? He is the lion, and he is the lamb, and he is worthy he is worthy. And what these elders did and what these creatures did when they discovered that Christ was worthy was they responded. The revelation of who Christ is causes a response. We have to respond when we understand who Christ is. And what they, the way they responded was in worship, in adoration. They bowed before God. They bowed before Jesus because of this revelation of who Christ is. He is the lamb that was slain, yes, but he is the lion of Judah who roars and is bold and is fearless and is all powerful. Must evoke a response. Has to. If you're sitting here today or maybe you're watching at home and this message of the lamb spoke to you, what it is saying is this your sin can be completely forgiven completely removed as far as the east is from the west. All you need to do is receive Christ as the lamb that was slain. And I wanna encourage you to do that. So I wanna say a simple prayer. If you're watching online, you can pray this prayer with me. If you're sitting here today, you can pray this prayer with me. In your heart if you want to, simple prayer. The prayer is this, Heavenly Father, I'm gonna ask the band to get ready for us as well. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you allowed your son to die on a cross like a lamb. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood was spilt so that my sin could be washed away. I believe in you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Holy Spirit, come dwell in me and guide me and teach me everything that I need to know. And if you're a believer already, I want you just for a moment to consider and remember all the things Christ has saved you from. For many of us, we've been Christians for a very long time and and we've forgotten our previous life and that's okay. I think that's good actually. But even as believers now, we have these things that we mess up, (laughs) even daily. And I want you to consider what Christ has saved you from. When you wake up every morning and, and you access God's throne room through prayer, you have access, because of Jesus, the slain lamb. And as you become aware of what Christ has saved you from, it should evoke in you a powerful emotion of I'm not worthy, but I'm grateful. You should be feeling overwhelming amounts of gratefulness in this moment when you realize what Christ did for you. As you remember, why not you take a moment, if you're watching at home or here in the building, And acknowledge that. And respond however you feel led to respond. Could be through prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Could be through a posture of worship. Lord, I bow down before you. Could just be that you're sitting down, closing my eyes and saying, God, I am so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are worthy. And I want to remind you of the lion. The lion of Judah that was raised from the dead. You gave us victory over death. So you can sit here today, fearless, in front of your Creator and say, Lord, even if I die, I gain life, eternal life. Because of that moment, that same power dwells in you. That same Spirit dwells in you right now. I wanna pray for victory. There you are. Once you consider the areas where you need some victory, all of us could do with victory in our lives. And Jesus, I believe, One who can get us there. Won't you bring that to the throne right now? Won't you say, Jesus? You know where I need victory. You know my finances. You know my broken relationship with my husband. You know my my children are far away. They're in another country, and I miss them, and I long for them, and I need some victory, Lord. I'm feeling lonely. Kids are far, in the midst of a lockdown. I need victory, Holy Spirit. Won't you please make them so aware of Your presence right now? Need victory, Father. As a church family, worldwide, we come to You in Jesus' name. Be grateful for the Lamb. We're so pumped about the line of Judah. And I pray all those hearts that just, all those prayers that went up in our hearts right now, prayers of victory that we need in our lives. Won't you please hear those prayers and respond and answer them. God, we love you and we adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.